What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a recap edition of our last game. Feels like it happened forever ago. And a preview of the MTE that begins tomorrow in Cancun, Mexico. I'm Mick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch and Noah. It's a very important game tomorrow. We'll dive into our initial matchup. We'll go through all three teams because clearly we'll be playing, uh, obviously, the one we have tomorrow, but then we'll be playing one of the other two, win or lose, the next day. So we'll go ahead and dive through all three of them. It should be one that clearly we have the toughest opening matchup you can get of this ranked James Madison club uh, will be our toughest test of the season. I remember saying at some point, we'll say this again near the end of just, this could be the best team we play all year, arguably. So it, it's a, it's a heck of a challenge to for the fourth game of the season and a neutral court over in Mexico for the guys. What's going on? Yeah, obviously a, a very big opportunity and, the biggest opportunity we may have against the best team we've see all see all year. So um great to see a, as a measuring stick, obviously, um from the first three games of the season, not really uh, a measuring stick and this will be a pretty good one to see where we can be able to compete against the top top teams in the valley with this new team we have. Exactly. And again it's crazy how they could be the best team. Clearly they're ranked they're the only ranked team currently of the teams we play and probably be the only one that's ranked all year, whether it holds consistently or not. We know they were picked wherever they were, their top team. We'll get to them shortly. Um, We'll definitely be tough, but at first, and we'll dive into a lot of other things typically, but we'll start off with just a quick recap of things we liked of the Chicago state win. We were 14 and a half favorites going into the game. It was a pretty good crowd on that Thursday night. Some other things to take from um, before, Besides just the game itself, we have seen Jawan Newton officially in the attire that the coaches wear. He's not; he's still not on the website, but he is. Uh, um, you know, he's sitting behind the bench, so he's of course one of the coaches. And we see that he's working out with the guys in practices, as we assumed. He's with the team. The team landed yesterday. They've been working out all day. They just finished their recent one not too long ago. They posted about it. They are there. Jawan's been helping with that, so of course that's confirmed. Just not like on the website or anything like that, but. Great to see Juan Juan helping the group. Noah, this game itself, we knew what they had to offer going in. They didn't have the Twins, but they had Wesley Cardet Jr., and he's a stud in his own right. But, I mean, Noah, one of the, one of the main parts of this game was how we defended him. He had 15 points, but he shot poorly. To an extent, he got relatively a good amount of free throws. But, Noah, we expected who was going to be on guarding him, and that it was. Actually, the two guys that, that hit at that position that we expect to guard those kinds of guys all year. No, a lot of this also is the emergence of AJ Ferguson. He was fantastic in this game. He is easily, I think, the dog of the game with his performance. Um, your initial thoughts on this game? Like I said, we won't we won't spend much time on it. You know, there's some tidbits I want to take from it of some even definites that we could take moving forward. But your initial thoughts on this game? What you liked for sure? Like I said, you could you could definitely kick off with knowing how great AJ Ferguson looked and hoping we can get that all year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if we can get that from AJ, not only what he does on the defensive end, we know his impact there, and um, only ended up with two rebounds in this one, which both were on the offenses. We talked about his off his defensive rebounding um, 
in the last couple of games, but in this one, I mean, he got one of three from three, did get the line nine times, struggled a little bit there, five for nine. Um, he could end up with more points than he did. But, um, yeah, definitely just aggressive offensively, getting to the lane, playing a very, I mean, an athletic team, but not a very defensive-minded team. I mean, they can defend, but definitely, definitely good to see A.J., I mean, just playing with confidence and getting to the rim and finishing, then also getting to the line. I mean, um, really cool to see him take that next step. We knew this kid was talented, just kind of really needed a year of development, and then that's what basically last year was. Could have maybe redshirted, but um, good to see him play because we, we saw impacts and said, well, he needs to play a little bit more than he is, but he was just one of those guys that – never got the actual true minutes he deserved. Yeah, and we'll say multiple times again that he was arguably our best player against Alabama and against – he wasn't our best player against Oklahoma State, but he had a three in that game that mattered, and that's what he showed last year, and he definitely should have played more if he was doing it against those kind of calibered opponents. But I definitely think, when we agree, he should have redshirted, but who knows, those kinds of games and learning a little bit helped him to be the player that he is. He's just, he's just aggressive. I mean – 29 minutes, he was 7-11 from the field. Two of those misses were from three, and you mentioned, yeah, he was poor from the free throw line. I expect that to get better, hopefully. He did have some bad free throws on an inbounds. He hit the the back of the backboard and some other things he showed, but if he was easily the best player in this game because, um, you know, Xavier, who had two early fouls, and that'll feed off to, you know, the continued struggles of Trey Miller to start the season. He had 13 13 minutes, he shot twice. One of them was a, a floater that – it was kind of tough um, that maybe should have went in, but it was a tough shot. And another one, he tried to drive base on a dunk on a guy. Uh, so those were his two shots. But, no, I mean, the biggest thing of that is the fact that when X did get his two fouls, he came out, of course, like he should. But then he, it didn't take him long for him to come back in because Trey was struggling in a lot of those facets – um, and you threw X in at the, at the end of the first half with those two fouls. Luckily, he didn't get his third beforehand, but that just shows how we de- we we need that kind of production from the backup point guard. It's when it's at a time when we really wish we had Sheridan Sharp to throw out there, and Granny is a freshman. Trey's only a year older than him, but Trey's season a little bit more. You just expect that kind of – you know, you expect that kind of production from him, and Trey continues to struggle. So, again, if he's struggling against these poor teams – We'll see how it goes the rest of the season, starting with the matchup tomorrow. But we need him to be better because that, like I said, it required X to come in. X was great, or I say great. He was he only shot nine times. He was 0 for 4 from three, some weird shots from him. But he was 10 for 10 from the line, getting the benefit definitely at the end of the game or near end of certain certain points, just getting fouled and getting to the free throw line. That's good to know that he's shooting so well from there. Uh, but it wasn't his best game overall. And this was this was by far our worst offensive game as a team. We had a lot of lows. We had at least three and a half up to four minutes without scoring at one point. Um, you know, they did have a they went to a zone at some point near the end of shot clocks and the end of each and the end of I think the first half or at some points and they were switching and we had our base offense of what we called Memphis back in high school where we just dribble handoffs at the top of the key. They were switching that as any defense should, but that was it was kind of throwing us off. So Definitely some bad moments of defense in this one, but looking at, I mean, the bench did not, it was only, Stulich is the only guy that made a field goal off the bench, which is not good. Scotty, Noah, 
nine minutes, only shot once. He got blocked at the rim. Again, he's getting blocked a lot more at the rim lately. He was one of two from the line. He also had a, you know, he went on the ground for a ball and had his knee bent or his leg bent back pretty bad. He was shaking it off. He looked like he was in pain, but it could have been a lot worse than that. If he would have went down there and been done for a while, we're screwed. Um, so luckily he's he's healthy from this. But no, again, going back to AJ, he was really good on Cardet, but his teammate was too, Noah. Kennard Davis, 12 minutes, had did get his first career points from the free throw line after he got fouled on a three. But Noah, he had a block off the backboard on Cardet's. If he's guarding NBA combine prospects, no, I think it's I think it's safe to say we can count on him to guard a lot of good players around the country and be confident. No, he's he's a surefire rotation guy, as we know he already is. What other takeaways did you have from this game to round it out? Yeah, I mean, this this is a team we did get to the free throw line and was a lot better than we were in the first game. I mean, twenty of twenty six. Um, but got to see, I mean, Yovan, not sure what what happened to his minutes because we were struggling offensively only played I think maybe two or three minutes in that first half not sure what happened there but he came in scored a little bit he can just score when he wants to but uh, really good seeing X get to the line 10 times I know a couple of those were late but um, him doing his thing with 18 points four steals seven assists five rebounds I mean X is by far the most improved player in the Valley that I've seen so far. Um, so kudos to him. And yeah, Scotty almost getting hurt. And yeah, those the three guys we threw on Cardet, AJ, Trent sometimes, and Kennard just done a great job. I mean, Cardet's a talented player, but he just remind he's he's the type of player like a Don Clay or a Kendall Lewis, that type of player that not a great shooter. Um not gonna he didn't take a three in this game, but he's pretty good ball player. But he's that type of player where he could find his way into the league, find his way into the G League, but um I'm not sure I'm not sure he's not any better than a Kendall Lewis or a Don Clay. It's a good point. Yeah, that's why it's weird how he was at the combine and he didn't show as much. I think that I think a little bit of that, and he's on the road. He's in an environment like we have, and he had really, two really good defenders on him. I mean, it's no surprising that he would struggle. I mean, he was four of seven from the field, but uh, even when Kennard was on him, he got – Kennard was disciplined on his defense, but he got uh, – Kardec got bailed out with a couple of fouls that Kennard had on him. Uh, Trent was four of ten. Overall, four of nine from three. We were texting throughout the game that – you know, he was, uh, what did I say? He was like seven of 10 on the season to that, to whatever point I texted you or something, or seven of eight, actually. And then he started to miss repeatedly after that. But Trent just looks awesome. He looks healthy, as we've talked about, but he's, he's, his pump fake, his shot fake is working big time. He's able to get guys in the air, take one bounce and shoot a three. He wasn't hitting them, but if he's doing that all year, granted, this was an undisciplined defense of Chicago State, it won't, the pump fake won't always work. But people know he has that trigger, so it actually could work for a while, though. But he was probably the worst shooter of the of the game. But other than that, everything else was good. Some touch-up things here to round it out that I had on here. We did – because you mentioned, yeah, Yovan's minutes were weird in this one. We did carry a lineup when Clarence was out, which Clarence was a great rebounder in this game once again. We carried a lineup at one point of X, Trent, AJ, Yovan, and Troy for a while in this game before Clarence came back in. 
I actually really like that lineup. And I think just overall, our starting lineup is one we can count on that. Of course, at the start of the season, you think, you know, what kind of lineup is this? Not sure how it's going to go, but, and no matter who the opponent is, they actually flowed pretty well. We had good ball movements. Definitely the first possession had great ball movement and that led to an AJ drive for our first points of the game. So I like that starting lineup that we had, but that lineup right there was good. Um, I think it's safe to say now through three games, no matter what we see, and it's I couldn't have been more wrong on a player actually to this point, Noah. And it seems like RJ McGee is seems like a I don't I said bust on here, and it's clear as day that that's what it seems to be from what we expected him to be. And he is a total bench player. He played one minute in this game, and a game we ended up winning by fifteen or so. He's he, I don't even know what to say about him anymore. If he ends up finding his way in the minutes then I'd be pleasantly surprised at this point. But safe to say R.J. McGee is a bust to this point. He needs to be better than than what he's been, and we have not got that. So that's that's something we can officially say right now to this point. So that was our 22nd straight non-con home W. Uh, again, it, it could come to an end here soon. Let's hope not. But 22 straight is cool. Tim Leonard confirmed they're taking down the old scoreboard now while the team is gone, and it should we should have that new one by our next home game, which is hosting Slough on December 2nd. So that came around recently. Now let's quickly get around the Valley. Some teams that have been playing over the last couple of days in their own respective MTEs. There was one that almost knocked off one of our favorite teams. They had a really good first half. You can dive into that game with a, a player that we've repeatedly talked about that was awesome in that one, but everyone else too – and there was a team that surprisingly lost large tonight as well. Let's dive into all those. Yeah, a lot of a lot of action since we last talked. I mean, um, you mentioned that one right there, but um, just going back to last week when we last talked uh, on Friday, we had Valpo play in their in the Illinois MTE, and uh, Isaiah Stafford thirty points, the Johnny Logan product. I mean. Talked about him a lot last season, how he fit great alongside an X or backing up X, and he's just become a star. I think he'll win newcomer of the year in this conference pretty easily. Um, the way he's going to be able to score the ball for Valpo. Missouri State down in the U.S. Virgin Islands Paradise Jam. Um, they played FGCU, gets a 70-61 to 61 win. Austin Mason leading the way with 20 points. N.J. Benson leading the way with rebounds. Then also number three, Arizona took on Belmont. Belmont got blown out 100-68. to 68. I mean, talk about how great of a coach Casey Alexander is, but his teams just continue to refuse to play any, any type of defense. So it's not going to be very hard um, to maybe beat Belmont this season. Malik Dia led the way with 21 points. On Saturday, Evansville blows out Ball State to get to 4 0, 74 50. Kenny Strawbridge leads the way with 13 points and uh, gets his 1,000th points over his career. Um, then on Sunday, Drake in the Cayman Islands Classic gets past Oakland 85 77. You and I continues. I mean, you and I's always struggling in non-con. Loses the USF on the road, 74-65. We know Bowen Bourne's been banged up and stuff like that, but he only had two points, one of six on the floor. So he's struggling right now, but the other guys are stepping up. They just need this their star player to come through for them. But um, they struggled 
with depth as well. We know Wes Rubens red shirting and uh eggs Hexari, the point guard that had showed a little bit last year as a backup, but he's gonna redshirt as well. UIC gets a non division one win, ninety-nine forty-eight. Mo State in the Paradise Jam gets a big one over Kent State, 56-52. Don Clay led the way with 16. Matthew Lee looking that one as well. Then today we had earlier on in the Gulf Coast Showcase, Illinois State led by Dalton Banks, 15 points. He scored double digits in every game year, every game this year so far, so it doesn't surprise me playing in the actual offense. Dalton gets to showcase his actual talent because we knew this guy was talented his whole career. 61-52 over Long Beach State. They move on in that one. Uh, in the Cayman Islands Classic, Drake dropped, got blown out, 92-68. Stephen F. Austin's a really good team, but Drake's just struggling. No Ethan Roberts still. They're just struggling with depth and defense right now. Keith uh, Kevin Overton uh, really shined in that one. Had had 19 points off the off the bench, I think. Then an OT, uh, Murray State dropped one, 83-81 to UNC Williamton. Uh, I think I forget who was talking about it, but uh, Steve Prohm just sounded really dejected in his radio interview, and uh, it's the most he's sounded in a while, according to some Murray State people. Um, then right now at halftime, Missouri State up on Abilene Christian, 45-37. 37 um, bears a little. I watched the first part of this slow start for them, but they got going. I mean, Matthew Lee leading the way. I mean, at halftime, it's still, it's going to go down in history. The way he's making his strides at halftime, 11 points, 10 rebounds off the bench for NJ Benson in your backyard. Lee, you let him escape. Just that's going to be the way he's pro- projecting. He's going to be an all Valley member here in the next year or so. Then at 9.30 night in the SoCal Challenge out in Cali, Bradley takes on two, the 3-0 Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, RJ McGee's Tulane Green Wave. That's a tough game for them. We'll try to tune into that. Yeah, NJ is weird. I mean, we had him in. We were in his final five, and we talked about how the, maybe I think someone that he knew was affiliated with Missouri State or something like that, but we know they have – just at that time, it was probably a little bit more NIL money or some other some other way to sway him. You definitely that is definitely a guy you do not let leave though, no doubt. And it's crazy how he's emerged as like a center. Figured he'd be like definitely a small four power forward type, but they built him up to be that. And I think he's dominant. Missouri State to me has been the most impressive. They're showing their depth. They're using their freshmen well. They should have beat West Virginia besides the collapse, and that is something if you collapse. But again, against a team like that on the road. Excuse me, and then they've been taking care of business. I mean, if they hold on here, I mean that'll be, they'll be four and one, and they'll their resume looks pretty decent amongst you know other Valley uh, teams. I wanted to go back to just because instead of going through the former uh, former dog players, just because Marcus in that Valpo game only had seven, two of nine shooting. Yeah, they, they was scary at one point. They had a pretty big lead at the start of that game. Valpo did, but yeah, Stafford's great. Uh, for them, and then you mentioned, yeah, Belmont for sure. No defense, they're really top heavy as we projected. You know, they can have some bench players, and it's a lot of young guys. But if their defense isn't going to show, they got to make sure they score a lot. So yeah, they they'll be an interesting team in the Valley. Sake, I mean, if they're playing Arizona, you expect blowouts, and they played Furman in Arizona. They played really good teams, so it's understood. Expect to compete maybe a little bit better than that. 
Good to see Evansville 4-0. They will be tough. They got Hunch Hunchamist or whatever his name is playing good for them. Uh, he'll be, you know, one of those new players fighting for uh, newcomer of the year or newcomer team uh, rights like that. Drake getting killed. We talked about how, yeah, they don't have bench. Kevin Overton was the MVC freshman of the week. It's safe to say he's running away early with the freshman of the year because if he's putting up these numbers and he's starting, that's a lot more than what other freshmen are doing around the league right now. So, He's the favorite for that as we speak. Dalton is definitely playing well. He's he's getting the most minutes on the team, and he's hitting his threes. And he there was a, he had six steals in this game. I, they had a post about how it's up there with don't know the, the exact stats, but it clearly ranks one of the whatever in all time in program history for Illinois State. So definitely playing well. And then yeah, Murray they're getting twenty four and twenty respectively from a couple of their guys in that game. But uh, you know they they keep losing close games. I don't think they should hang their head too too far they allow 83 they score 81 they've lost some close ones so I, again i wouldn't hang their head too far i think they'll be fine but we know what uh deficiencies they have in their game so yeah around the valley that's what everybody's doing for the most part uh purdue played gonzaga earlier and won lance i think had 13 points i think he shot like 11 or 12 times but still in the starting lineup for them uh and then i was going to look at quickly about other non-con what our non-con teams are doing. We actually had two of our upcoming non-con opponents played each other recently. It was actually last night. Wichita ended up killing SLU by 19 points. We know that Sincere Parker, who is apparently SLU's best player this year, we would have dove into him. We remember from last year, he is out for the year with an injury. So that's notable. So Wichita, again, at their wherever, beat them by 19. Oklahoma State lost to Abilene Christian, and they lost to somebody else in the last little bit. They're, they've been struggling. That's how we talked about it. James Madison might be the best team because Oklahoma State's struggling. They're winning right now over New Orleans and their MTE, but they lost to Notre Dame in overtime on Friday. They lost to St. Bonaventure by two, so they're losing close games, but they're losing nonetheless. And that's just a little bit of what other teams are doing. Um we did see that Bradley got a commit. We'll dive into that now, just the fact that I had it on here. Some other stuff real fast. Did see Barry Henson is in, getting inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. We know how affiliate, affiliated he was with Missouri for a long time, being Missouri State's coach for a while and then just being over there. But he he's done enough in other facets to warrant that. So congrats to Barry for that, things like that. I mean, he's a former coach regardless of anything that happened in the past or anybody thinks, any former coach, and if you do anything, you're getting acknowledged. So good for Barry for that. So that's pretty much everything up to this point. No, let's let's do the meat of this episode. It's talking about this MTE that kicks off tomorrow, this Cancun Challenge against the newly ranked 22-ranked James Madison Um like we said, no, we we knew what they were going to be this year. It's like, okay, yeah, they're first in their conference. They have their preseason player of the year. We'll dive into who that is, what conference they're in. I don't have it on me at the moment, but um, didn't think they'd be doing what they're doing. I mean, they beat Michigan State. Michigan State was a Fugazi four, number four ranked team to start this year. They should have actually won that game. They shot terribly. But again, I'll never discredit a mid-major for beating a team like that, especially on the road. It's different than, you know, a mid-major beating, you know, someone like that on a neutral floor at March Madness, for example. But uh, kudos to them for doing that. They played a tough game against Kent State. They almost lost their recent game of their version of what our Chicago State game was. So no, they're not, you know, 
impossible to be. We'll put it that way. Just because the rankings on them means that they're good, but doesn't mean they're impossible to be. Clearly, they have a lot more experience than our team does. And we'll get to that, to the picks later. But no, what else do we know about the Dukes and this magical run that they've had so far to start this season? Yeah, this is a team that's second in their second season in the Sun Belt Conference after moving over from the Colonial Athletic Conference. Obviously, you said they were picked first in the preseason poll. Um, just a really, really experienced team. I think um, they're fifth in the country in D1 experience with like just over three years experience. Um, they took a shot. They took they took a hit during the preseason. They lost. Uh, one of their guys, six seven junior, Justin Amadi, did a lower body injury. Um, but Mark Byington in his fourth year of the program done a really good job. So it's seven years at Georgia State, led them to like three straight twenty one seasons before taking this job, and led them last year to their highest Ken Palm finish ever since like twenty sixteen at ninety eight. Just really started the season really well. They play a really fast tempo with a lot of good players. Um, you, you mentioned the main guy to watch out for, Terrence Edwards Jr., a really good player. But they got some transfers. Quincy Allen, Colorado transfer. Noah Friedel, South Dakota State guy. Raekwon Horton, College of Charleston. T.J. Bickerstaff, Boston College. Uh, Bryant Randleman, High Point. A lot of transfers in on this team. But just a really experienced team, play at a fast pace. They they're ranked top 25. They have some really good wins undefeated, but Kim Palm only has them at 88. I mean, SIU is already climbed to 142 after their low start of the year. So Kim Palm don't have them that. I think the spread, I think I've seen it earlier today, five and a half. Thought it'd be a little bit more with how good of a season they've started out, but a really good team. I mean, a lot of guys to watch out for, but high paced, Going to play pretty good. I mean, I think they're top five in the country in adjusted tempo and stuff like in that analytical stuff. They really take care of the ball. Um, so offensively, then they really hit the boards on the offensive. So um, then they're long and athletic on the defensive side. So Terrence Edwards averaging 21 points a game, former three-star recruit um, coming out of high school. So going to be a really good – I mean, at 6'9", Clarence going to have his hands full of T.J. Bickerstaff. Uh, so, really good player, too, former three-star guy, too. So, a lot of guys, uh, ex-guarding, probably Michael Green, their point guard, averaged about just under five assists a game. So, a lot of guys to watch out for, and it's going to be a heck of a battle tomorrow night. Yeah, Bickerstaff, he's the son of your Cavs head coach, J.B. Bickerstaff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys put up points, as you said, you mentioned, and it seems like for sure that their top leading scores are clearly their best players and of who they play the most of a lot of those. Uh, yeah, thinking of, you know, different kind of matchups like that, I would definitely say that uh, Baker Steph on Clarence. And then, I mean, it again, we trust AJ on a on a draft combine, Wesley Cardet, just in terms of how they're currently playing. It seems like Edwards is a better player than Cardet and he's taller. Would love to see AJ have that uh, have that job to try to slow him down. You said that the tempo. I mean, from what we heard from our team in the offseason, we we this is a team we want to thrive and transition as well. We've gotten 
out in transition in our games, but this is just a different matchup to who you'll be able to turn over of like the teams you previously have played. So um, for sure, it will be tough. Yeah, I see that too. Five and a half points. I expected a little. I, I I think I was thinking like seven in my head at first, like and football deemed a touchdown difference. But this is the first time we played them since 1996 when we won by seven. Uh, two of the three matchups that we played them came on neutral courts. Um and we've won the previous three. So, again, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the last time they played was the year I was born. So, I just, you know, a lot difference of what happens then. We would expect it to beat them back then. That's how great we were in the 90s. Um, but, again, I mean, James Madison as a whole, they lost in football this past weekend. But they've been thriving as a whole university in their athletic department. So, they've been riding high big time. And, again, these these wins that they've been having, they almost, like I said, they barely beat Chris Payton and Kent State in overtime. They almost lost to Radford the other night. They beat Howard pretty well. But then that Michigan State win is program-altering for sure. So they've been definitely riding this high. Uh, so, no, just speaking of all this, before we get to the other teams, five and a half of the, of where this game stands tomorrow, like it's – it seemed, I mean, I remember in the preseason, I picked us to lose this game regardless before they emerged as this team. So – of course, I'm going to stick with that. I think James Madison will cover. I think they'll end up probably beating us around the 10-point mark. Again, you'd hope to be wrong. This is I love playing ranked opponents because if you somehow beat them, NCAA March Madness and all these accounts tweet about the ranked teams that go down and they will tweet about us. It'd be really cool. But, no, I, I'll have us losing this game. I'm sure you have it as well. I think this is just a tough matchup for us. Like I said, maybe the best team will play all year. Your thoughts on that before we move on to the final two teams. And the dog, dog of the game, too. Yeah, I would definitely probably, if I were able to bet this game in the state of Illinois, I would probably bet the five and a half for James Madison. Um, but definitely, I'm excited to see. Um, I think this JMU team would come in here and probably win the Valley. So it's a good measuring stick, like I said earlier, to see what this team's made of. I mean, this is a new team, and we haven't played the best team so far, and seeing what JMU's done. So um, definitely would probably take the five and a half. Um, but Dog of the game, I think if it's going to be um, a keep it close or even win this game, I think the bench is going to have to be big. So I'm going to go with a guy like Jovan Stulich to score off the bench and give us that extra boost, see what our starters get. So um, excited for this one. It's a main, main, main TV kind of game and definitely will be a lot of media attention probably around it. Yeah, 100%. And – I'm thinking, I mean, that's the thing. I, I just keep wanting to say AJ because if he's got to take on these guys defensively and he's got to keep being aggressive, I mean, ex- AJ's putting expectations on himself now. I think that's rightfully so. We need him to be that way, and he's playing like that. So I like your Yovan pick. We need veterans to match their veterans, and we just need scoring. He clearance to score around the rim. Everything that we know throughout this whole MTE, just a, a, of course with this first matchup, just hoping you could keep it close maybe get the upset, but yeah, it's a great measuring stick. I'd love to see how we match up with them tomorrow, but no, we'll get to the, obviously the official things at the end, but let's quickly dive into the other teams here. Uh, Let's start with Fresno state. You know, they're in the mountain West, not sure where they were picked. They, I feel like every team that we play or will play this year, I've played Kent state. They uh, lost to them by 10 points back on November 11th. Uh, They beat Morgan state in their own Cancun uh, challenge campus game recently by about 19. They're an interesting team. You know, we, Paul George went here. They have some special alumni in other sports as well. Uh, but a good team nonetheless, no Mountain West, like I said, those, that, these California teams that um, 
I mean, they pose a matchup as well. I think they're they are favorites in their game against New Mexico State tomorrow, three and a half. Expect Fresno State to win. So, seems like a collision course with Madison and Fresno State. You never know, Noah. But uh, what else do we know about them? And then go ahead and talk about their opponent, New Mexico State, while you're at it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I probably expect Mex or Fresno State to win that one. Um, I may bet it just for just since we'll both be definitely tuned into make some make a bet on it just just because and be able to definitely watch it. But um, Fresno State, really good team, um, coached by Justin Hudson, has some really good players: Jalen Weaver, Jeff Sims Jr., Enoch Boake, the big man, some other guys on this team. Isaiah Hill leading the way, but their opponents. Obviously, we know what the turmoil that happened with New Mexico State basketball had to clear the whole team. They have a new coach and a lot of transfers, a guy we know very well. They have a lot of guys that's played at multiple schools, so I don't know if they're allowed to play or not. But a guy we know pretty well, uh, Davion Bradford, went to Wake Forest, Kansas State's there. Um, A guy from UCF and ECU, Brandon Suggs, Jordan Rawls from Western Kentucky and Jordan State or Georgia State. And from Stephen F. Austin, Jalen Jackson Posey, a lot of transfers. Not sure exactly if they're all playing or not. I assume so. So, um, a lot of transfers. It's going to be a fun basketball game to watch. Yeah, Bradford. He's not in any stats, but we do know him. Yeah, saw him in Highland a long time ago. He's teammates with Dylan Branson of SEMO, so we definitely know him. But he's, all these teams have some dogs on them. They score a lot, whether they throw up a lot of shots. I mean, Fresno's favorite in points wise, but. Matchup predictor has New Mexico State 54% to win. So it should be a close game. It is the matinee behind us, behind our game. So we'll definitely be watching it no matter what, just to see. But it should be fun overall. So CBS Sports Network, 5 o'clock tomorrow is our game, and we'll see what time and everything falls for the second game. Hoping to get a win. Again, this is the toughest team we'll play all year, all depending. And if you can beat a ranked team, that shows a lot of people something. So if you just keep it close, we both expect to lose. But if you keep it close and lose – that is a good measuring stick. It's a good opponent to, to kick off the year. So no shame in it at the end of the day. So need a lot of guys to step up and definitely go one-on-one one in this thing. You know, if you lose, win your next game. If you win the first game, you try to go 2-0. and oh, But we're expecting hopefully a one-and-one one finish to this MTE. So at some point, we'll talk about this tournament in its entirety here. Obviously, probably over the weekend. We know football's got a big game on Saturday in the playoffs, but – Thanksgiving's coming up, so we'll enjoy that, and we'll talk about this MTE sometime by the weekend. So, for Nick Malone. No alerts. CBS Sports Network, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Go Ducks.